Ooh, that sounds nice on the crisp new microphone, doesn't it? Let's hear it one more time. Crisp new air horn microphone. Sounds real good. Morning. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm thawed out Hagen Housheld. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I'm Jackson, and Hagen's new microphone is those little tiny microphones that people on TikTok have that they're trying to talk to their animals because you know Hagen's an ostrich or an emu. Oh, and, get it uh, right! If you're gonna if you're gonna make the joke, you have to get it right at least. <laughs> I'm gonna edit it. It's okay. He'll fix it later. Fuck you! God damn it! Nah, we're all good. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we took a, a brief winter holiday here in February of. The sweet 2021, the year of our Lord 2021, and you know, it, everyone should know this, but we're all Texas-based, and I think the whole, um, I think even the world knows, but definitely the whole U.S. knows what happened last week. We were in a Arctic tundra. <laughs> I think I think if the whole world didn't know, I think that once Ted Cruz left and that became news, the whole world knew then. Yeah, that was yeah, that, that was it, and then. And then he came back and didn't quarantine and just went straight to handing out water to, to people. He came back and then he won nobody over. If he had just stayed there, his fans would have at least liked him still. Yeah. Exactly. They'd been like, look at him. What a badass for going and taking his family to Mexico. Like, But then he came back. The only picture that I saw of the water was like one car and one person. And he's just handing out just like one case of water to one person. It's like... Is this the only person you could get for your photo op? That was it. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, once again, if anyone didn't know, almost all of us on this podcast had intermittent power for a good part of last week. Uh, there, We were under boil orders for our water. It, it got pretty bad. I, I was in a pretty good situation, so I, I really don't want to complain. But uh, it, it made recording a podcast even if we were recording in a room we wouldn't have had reliable power so uh we appreciate everyone's understanding we hope everyone's all right and i truly appreciate all the people who stepped up to help everyone helped each other uh and, you know and really everyone but there has even been notable musicians who have helped including people like beyonce and uh, one of my favorite bands, AJJ, has been doing live streams to donate uh, on a smaller scale, but really everything helps. So, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us really are needing any of that kind of help right now, but it, it definitely is appreciated. So thank you, everyone, for doing that. We're glad to be back. Glad to be back indeed. Glad glad to be here with my crisp new microphone. Glad to be here talking with my friends again about a topic that I think, about a, a thing that I th I, we're all passionate about, right? We're all passionate about it. Oh, Adam, yeah. Adam, Adam, Adam loves this. I was this so is prepared an Adam that thing. I totally didn't listen to these yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, we had a whole extra week. We've known we we're going to do this topic for maybe two or three weeks, so... We, and we know what topic we're doing next week. So we you would think absolutely every single one of us is prepared. Uh, Adam, for sure, is the most prepared out of all of us. He even, he even wore a, an appropriate sweater. Did I? <laughs> yeah, you were in a queen sweater. That's like, you know, right down, right down the center lane of what we're talking about today. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. So everyone can see it, but we're doing a deep dive. This one's a bit of a special deep dive of 
what we're going to call this is a beginner's guide to black metal. If you don't know what black metal is, it's basically a subgenre of, you know, metal, um, kind of death metal is where you would maybe derive it from. Subgenres are hard. Yeah, it's one of the many, many, many subgenres of metal. Yeah, and there's, there's, it, it's going to be pretty clear with the three albums that we're talking about that even within this subgenre, it doesn't mean much. But I'll go ahead and name the three albums that we're going to talk about right now. And then that way, if any of you guys like to pause and listen along with us, you're able to do that. So the first album we'll be talking about is Black Metal by Venom from 1982. The second album will be Don't Break the Oath by Merciful Fate from 1984. And then the Death Crush EP or mini LP, however you like to call it, from Mayhem in 1987. So those will be the three, and we'll go into the details of why we're talking about that. But, you know, black metal is something that as a kid, uh, I would say late elementary school, maybe early middle school, I got into. And I think that's just because like the internet was really, you know, starting to become a thing uh, where it was really accessible to everyone. And I was always looking up stuff of like trying to figure out uh, what Slipknot looked like under their masks and these really pixelated things. And then black metal became this thing of uh, seeing these really just like, as you know, everybody's fascinated by these really morbid thing. I, I really venture to say that the people who are super into uh, true crime are really the same. They're cut from the same cloth as these people in black metal. They probably don't, none of them like to say that, but we're all kind of morbidly curious curious on these like you know extreme subjects so as a kid i would say that's where i got into it the music i remember uh i grew up listening to metal you know the typical stream i went from like system of a down and all those bands into like metallica and then into heavier stuff but i kind of glazed over black metal i just remember thinking like i don't get it i don't get the whole aesthetic of it and I didn't know about any of the folklore behind it or the things that may or may not have happened surrounding that genre. Yeah, I uh, I saw, so uh, 2008, I was at the OzFest that was in Dallas. I was there to see Metallica and whoever else was there. And um, Metallica made this big announcement. Uh, they were going to have a guest come and play on stage with them. And uh, I was like, for, I'm, you know, I'm an excited kid. I get to, I'm seeing Metallica I, I, at the time. I love this band. I'm like, who's the guest? Is it Ozzy? What the fuck? And they're like, we live, uh, or we are at like this person's backyard, basically. And the person was King Diamond. Oh uh, my God. Woo! That's amazing. Well, it, yeah, in hindsight, totally. But from my perspective, I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? And why has he got all this paint on? What's going on? Uh, but then it, it, it was super cool. Um, but then shortly after that, uh, in my adventures into metal, I, uh, found a band called Dimmu Borgir and, uh, it, that you was mean, my, you mean Dimmu Burger? Yeah. Yeah. De- Deadmine Burger. Uh, um, emu, emu Burger? Hagen, <laughs> <laughs> are you in that band? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the lead guy, but you can't tell with all the face paint. Um, so that was my introduction to like what black metal could be. And then from there, I sort of just slowly throughout my entire, like at a certain point I I got, I I learned about the history of black metal. Um, and I think something that really, 
I don't like about black metal, at least at least uh, until recently, is I have a really hard time with the recording quality. I think that's a really big distinctive point between like black metal and like death metal and stuff like that and thrash metal, right? They the, the recording quality is like you can describe it as lo-fi metal. I think that is like a, a, a unfortunately a thing um, here, and and it doesn't. I think sometimes it just it it just makes it bad music. Um, but we'll get into that later. Uh, but that 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 was why I never got into it when I was younger. But now I, I think I like it. Yeah, and uh, I I definitely agree with that, uh, Demi Borger. They are. W- really more uh, symphonic black metal, but still black metal. Yeah. Amazing. If you ever get to see them in Norway, apparently they play with the Norwegian orchestra all the time live, which is fucking phenomenal. I was super into uh, Cradle of Filth in their early days was more black metal. I would say that they're just more kind of like, I don't know, metal now. But, uh, you know, those are some examples of what I was listening to. Of course, I did listen to uh, Merciful Fate and one of the bands mayhem on this list who I am now a bit ashamed that I listened to, but we will speak about that later on. Adam, we know you're a big metal head. Yeah. What's your totally. history with this? Um, it's always been a genre of music that friends have listened to and I've never really got into. And I think part of that is like Hagen mentioned, the audio recording just isn't great. And so it's harder to get into in that regard. There's, you know, some of the bands have, lyrics that are harder to understand and kind of to follow and to get into is kind of like intimidating in that regard, I guess. So do you, do you, do you mean when they're just going, ah, rah, 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 rah. yeah, it turns really out hard it's to hard to understand yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Will you do that again? That was kind of cute. <laughs> Before we get into that, there, there's a bit more nuance to it. That is a specific subset of, um, black metal. I wouldn't say that Demi Borger or Cradle Phil sounds like that, but there is the 90s uh, black metal that sounds like that. But let's get into our first album. We're going to talk about Venom's Black Metal. This is uh, an English band, Venom. They're a three-piece. I'm always partial to a three-piece. Love a power trio. It yeah. was released in 1982. Uh, they are widely known as the godfathers of black metal. Fun fact, I got to see them play live. I think that was 2014, 2013. It was at the last Fun, Fun, Fun Fest in Austin. It was really, it was a great time. Uh, I also got to see Mayhem at that same festival. So uh, it was real interesting. Uh, I'll talk about that in a bit. But, uh, you know, they, when we're talking about aesthetics of this band, uh, they wore leather and spikes at their concerts, but they weren't wearing what a lot of people would, uh, you know, associate with black metal, which is the corpse makeup, which is the black and white makeup that a lot of people see uh, in those metal black and white uh, Polaroid pictures of the time in your dark basements. But uh, a big thing to, you know, what really made this black metal, what made this different wasn't necessarily the music because although it was deemed Black, me- black metal, this is largely like most of the British heavy metal of the time. It sounds a lot like, you know, their influences like Black Sabbath, just not executed as well. But what kind of made it different, what made it this uh, quote-unquote black metal was the overt references to the occult and Satanism. But, you know, much like their influences such as Black Sabbath, this was more for shock value it wasn't really a lifestyle for them. 
So, you know, going into that, I mean, the band always stated that they never really saw themselves as preaching Satanism and that they valued all religions, being uh, one of the band members being uh, quoted as saying, we don't want to be seen as some kind of organized religion. If you don't want to listen to Venom anymore, so be it. That is important to state. As we go on, you'll see that kind of getting the these views of occultism and what they're deeming Satanism uh, getting more and more extreme. But, but so for, for a band that doesn't want to promote Satanism, the album, the artwork on the front of the album is like what looks to be a devil. And on one of the so the forehead, there's an inverted cross or no, a pentagram. And then uh, on one of the horns, there's an inverted cross. And then on the other horn, there, there are the numbers 666. So, I mean, for a band that's like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to do that. But they're pretty overt with the imagery. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a show. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not, they aren't, they aren't saying that they are like, they're worshiping Satan. They're putting on an act. Right. And another point that uh, I, I think is really interesting that I read was, I mean, what's a really great way to sell albums to teenagers that will like, like a great way to sell albums to teenagers, especially back then was to find a way to piss off the parents. Right. Well, I mean, that's still the, that still stands. Yeah, it still stands for sure. But it's a lot. I th- I would say it's a lot harder to piss off parents. I mean, maybe I don't know. I I think that like parents have like you know lax with like cuss words and like sexual references and stuff like that. But like consider like a satanic reference in the seventies and eighties, and it's like holy shit, the devil, satanic panic, right? This is yeah, this is like, this is we gotta send our kid to boarding school, right? So this this is a way to sell records. This is they, they they're doing this as an act to sell records and to further the act. I bring us into our first question, our first game of the night, everybody. So if you already know this, it, it, I, th- I think Jackson might already know the answer to this. Um, so he goes last. Um, so uh, a big part of the black metal uh, ethos was uh, pseudonyms, was making up your own names. Uh, there's there's a lot of Bringing up the occult, there's a lot of magical thinking behind giving yourself a new name, um, and so they started this concept with their with their names. So, um, uh, Adam, you go first. Can you tell me any of their pseudonyms? Not one. <laughs> Can you tell me their real name too? Uh, could you could you try that? Nope. Dave, <laughs> I'm drawing a total blank. Jackson. I only know two of them. It's Kronos and Abaddon. 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 No, that's it. That's how you say (laughs) it. So it's, it's, so, so their, 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 their names, uh, uh, so there's a lot of members of Venom over time, but for this album we're talking about, the members were Kronos, Mantis, and Abaddon, or Conrad, Jeffrey, and Anthony. (laughs) Doesn't work quite as well. (laughs) Uh, I, man, I just imagine like, hey, you know, you call to put place an order for food to take out, and they're like, "What's the name for the for the food?" And you're like, "Kronos." <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny looking at pictures. I don't know if y'all had seen pictures of them, but they look literally just like uh, the dudes from Spinal Tap. They yeah. are very much just uh, British rock and rollers at the time, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I think they just found a really good way to market themselves and make them different. Um, to their peers at the time and 
I think maybe it let's let's get into the music because it's really interesting as we get deeper into this black metal hole. It is interesting how really serious that these musicians take themselves and the very the very first band, Venom, who coined this term, did not take themselves seriously at all. They have a song on the record that's just like talking it sounds like hot for teacher before hot for teacher like i, I literally mean, wrote just, that down well there you go so like there's all these like just i mean there's very it's called teacher's pet um there's really overt references to satan but this really classic kind of like maybe like catholic idea of good and evil and uh what's the opposite of god it's Satan. So that's their idea. And they're not it's doing a, it, as I said, uh, preaching Satanism. It's really just more like, a, oh, let's just be, you know, extreme. And, you know, it sounds like it worked for them because it spawned a whole genre. But when we're really talking about, I mean, well, so sorry, let me back up a little bit. The ninth song on the record is called, um, by the way, the there's two sides as any record at that time. And the first side is coined as black and the uh side b is metal i'm not really sure why they did that and what that means but whatever but the ninth song on the record is called uh countess bathory and it's likely that that is the song that another formative uh black metal band that we really won't talk about much bathory got their name so it's just you know it just goes on and on uh, did, did I, I don't think you guys did but did anybody listen to bathory just for funsies yeah, they are the ones who coined uh, Viking metal. I mean, you wouldn't have a Mon Amarth without them. Well, yeah, there's so like uh, we'll get into it probably in the next episode or or maybe this one. But I mean, like the concept of uh, like Norse mythology within black metal is huge, and Bathory was a big part of that. But Bathory, it pulls off this like lo-fi metal concept and being absolutely brutally heavy as fuck. Like it's unbelievable. Bathory is problematic, but we'll get there. If we, you can get through these three albums and you're like, oh, I want to keep going down the rabbit hole, Bathory is probably a good yes. first one to go after these three albums. While we're talking, while we're talking about that song, Countess Bathory, um, some people think that it influenced Kurt to write Smell, the Smells Like Teen Spirit riff because they have like a similar rhythm. But I, I tried to read up on that to see if there were any truth, and I couldn't find anything. The closest thing I could find was... Uh, Kurt is on record saying that he wrote that song and many of the others from that record to, to based on his influence from the Pixies. So yeah, I don't know if there's it, any truth to that. I mean, if you're a metalhead and uh, you haven't listened to this, you definitely have seen the record jacket for this because all your favorite metal musicians have a T-shirt of this. I guarantee it. Wait, Phil Anselmo from Pantera has a tattooed on him. It's just, it, it's iconic. There's a lot of covers of songs that are on this album. Right. Including one we're going to talk about later. But right. backing up a little bit, just talking about the songs on here. I mean, like, this isn't that lo-fi that Hagen's referring to. This is really, it just sounds like a British heavy metal album of the time. Yeah, honestly, it, it, it like... I think that the Black Sabbath comparison is fair, but I would even go as far to just like say like some of the songs feel as like simple as like ACDC. Like right. it feels like ACDC decided that we're going to like love Satan for a record and that's it. Well, yeah, like the the like, teacher's pet that Jackson mentioned before, it's it sounds it's just like a blues. 100%. It's 
So it's like I can hear ACDC or like you said, it sounds like Hot for Teacher, especially with the uh, – well, the, the lyrical content is like an R-rated Hot for Teacher. It almost feels like a B-movie kind of. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's taking itself seriously and trying to really scare you. It's almost like a here, – here's buckets of blood. But I wonder if in in 82 would this have been would – would it have had more impact on the youth? So it, when you think about uh, what is it called, buried alive, the intro to it, where you can hear what sounds like somebody getting buried alive, I wonder if that would have been scarier in 1982, as like a twenty-year-old or a fifteen-year-old. You know, I thought about that kind of concept a lot while listening to these albums, and especially on this one, because I mean, there's a lot of riffs on these where it's like I like I remember picking up a guitar and learning what a riff was, and then I played this, you know. Uh, I mean, like you can't get away with what they played anymore, and that 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 sort of is like a sign of a like the beginning of a new era when someone can play something that no one could ever get away with ever again. That's it. No one could ever ever try to do what they did in ter- in terms of riffs or anything, and pull, and especially like like it's not it's not the lo-fi metal, but it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound very good at all. No. Um, and so I think it, it would I, probably benefit from being lo-fi, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's very strange to me. Um, and and you know, I think that I thought about this also a lot. You were talking about Jackson, how this is the beginning. Uh, and you mentioned like the nineties and um, you know, there's, there's basically like the different waves of black metal. Like there's like, like the, the different waves of like emo, which I know you know a lot about that too. But what's interesting about this, like you said, it's really important to remember that this was kind of a joke. Like these guys were trying to sell records and I think get laid. I think they were just trying to like be like quote unquote <laughs> rock stars. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely going to attract a certain type of partner. <laughs> Well, but I mean, like, I mean, think, think about again, like, think about how many people are trying to rebel, you know, people right. are like, people are trying to rebel heavily and, 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 and this is a great way to do it. This is an awesome way to rebel is go see or go be a part of this like new metal scene that's becoming, that's, that's like, that's starting. Well, and this was their, their second record and, uh, it really kind of cemented their name in the scene. But right. they like the both re- both of their first records got reviewed really well, and people thought that they were like, you know, re- like like Jackson mentioned, doing something different. But it's just funny to to reference that with some of these riffs. It's like, how close can you get to Crazy Train without playing Crazy Train? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it it really it really is just like, just just riffs you've all heard before. Yeah. And it's not to say I wouldn't say that any of it's bad. It's just like from our perspective, any metal head or any person who's ever listened to a metal record or even a rock record at this point in time, it's like you've heard something similar. You've heard this. You know, you've yeah. heard something that sounds very similar to what that is. Yeah, it definitely suffers from being uh a trailblazer, much like when Adam and I listened to King Crimson. I do really like prog music, but in my opinion, King Crimson set up something that I feel people have done better at this point. And that's just my opinion, but it's similar to this. And if I were to say, you know, what are my favorite, uh, favorite tracks, I would probably say none of them, but I did enjoy, uh, some of the guitar riffs. That's kind of what got me through because the singing's not really anything to write home about. It's really more kind of that bluesy talking, half singing, half talking. Uh, the only song that I really kind of, can remember and sing in my head 
is Sacrifice. I think it's kind of a fun song. I wrote that it's kind of like the Gwen Stefani of black metal teaching us how to spell. Because uh, here, let's see if I can get it. It's uh, Sacrifice, or it's S-A-C-R-F-I-C-E. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah, and I, I was like, oh, good. I, I was worried. I wouldn't know how to spell that. <laughs> it, th- that's hard to pull off like you know as you heard me stutter over it i mean the bananas line for gwen <laughs> stefani like that's really like that's really rhythmic it works really well for the b a n a n a s that's great that like musical genius i but still fuck this... that up and, and i go b a n a n a n s m i s s i s s i p p i but this one, like, at Sacrifice, I mean, like, they had to do some legwork there to make that work, and I, I do really appreciate it, and that's and it's stuck in my head because of that. But other than that, you know, other I don't really think I'll ever listen to this album again. I'm really glad to know the context of what started this subgenre, but it's not for me at all. Yeah, I remember uh, going into this, I was thinking... Um... You know, you have this imagery in your, or you can kind of hear what black metal should sound like based on all of those influences we mentioned from the 90s and the things we know now as black metal. And I started listening to this and I was like, man, this is just straight up thrash. To me, it sounds like thrash. And then in research, I realized I found a cool thing that uh, I was like, this sounds like Metallica's early stuff. And Metallica were influenced by this band. And it, I have a cool story about Metallica opening for them. Um, early on in their career it was uh what was it on the second night uh considerable damage was done to the venue when explosives and a fireball from the pyrotechnics created a four-foot hole in the stage and the fireball shot across the building coming to rest in an upper balcony so lant i think the bass player and lead singer yes you mean you you mean you mean Kronos? Kronos had also dealt several blows to his own speakers and just he destroyed his speakers. But here's the cool part: how metal is this? When the technician assessed the damage done, the total cost for repairs amounted to six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Oh yeah! <laughs> That's weird that a British band was uh, paying for things in dollars. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's really important to note that, I mean, we're talking about black metal here, but I mean, what this, what this band and what we're, what we're talking about today in general, I mean, this was the beginning of what we know, like how we got to metal now. There's Mm -hmm. no way of denying that this is, this is, this this is how Metallica came and everything after, you know, you know, there's, there were, there were things around the time before this kind of, but I mean, what we're looking at is the beginning of metal. Yeah. You start to hear all the other songs, like you're listening to this record and you go, oh, this sounds like Metallica. This sounds like this band. This sounds like this band. And even though the riffs are nowadays maybe considered rudimentary, uh, and I found a lot of the lyrics sounded like someone writing about scary stuff for the first time, where you could kind of guess maybe what the next lyric would be, Um, except for on, like I said, Teacher's Pet. I just was every lyric that came out of that man's mouth i was like this song is disgusting (laughs) yeah 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 second second listen through that song came up and i was like no not again i'm good (laughs) not again not again so adam before we move on do you have anything you want to say about this album or do you want to keep silent i I think you covered it and that's a 
an album that's like one of those important influence albums, but it probably doesn't hold up very well today. Um, I do kind of think it might be what teachers when Black Sabbath was, you know, starting up, this is like the music they feared their kids were going to listen to. And then they eventually got to that like 20 years later or 15 years later. What's super interesting about Black Sabbath is if you actually listen to the lyrics, a lot of the stuff is saying like, Hey man, like the occult, it can be really scary. Like Satanism can be scary, all this stuff. And like, really kind of like, even though it sounds like they're just, you know, Ozzy's blatantly talking about it, it's really just him venturing into it and just being like, oh man, like we just got to be all good to each other or else we're all fucked. But this is the step in the next direction, as Adam's saying, of like, this is literally just saying like, no, hell yeah, we're going to sacrifice each other. So I yeah, hit the nail th- this on is the, the music there. that they, they feared their kids would listen to. And then it turns out that happened. Yeah, this is yeah. this is much more of, of like a uh, of a traditional sense of Satanism. This is like more like medieval ideas. We're start like we're starting again with like this is where a lot of these black metal bands that we that we will talk about started these ideas of like heavy Satanism, like very very medieval, very old timey understandings of sacrificing and shit like that. Well, and also the the performance aspect, like the that too, no. the theme and the visual of it. Well, let's take this uh, knob of, you know, Satanism, and we're maybe at a three out of ten. Let's crank it up to, I don't know, maybe like six, and move on to our second album, Don't Break the Oath by Merciful Fate. Um, man, I I love Merciful Fate, and I'm just going to have to gush about them a little bit because I'm a little worried about what anyone's going to say, but this album came out in 1984, they are a uh, Danish band. They are from Denmark. Um, most notably, who I'm going to talk about is their singer, King Diamond, who I remember. I'm not going to do any fact-checking on this. I know he lives in the North Texas area now. I, as I said, he is Danish. But I remember as a kid, uh, one of my good friends, Keaton, he told me, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know King Diamond. He lives up in McKinney, which was like, you know, 15 minutes north of uh, Plano where we all lived. And, I man... That was the coolest shit to find out that King Diamond from Merciful Fate lives just in my backyard. I mean, wow. That was the closest to celebrity culture I would ever get. And yeah. So going into um, Merciful Fate. So King Diamond, as I said, we're cranking this back up. Uh, you know, at a six out of 10 here on our Satanism scale. King Diamond has uh, stated of uh, being heavily influenced by. Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible, which I'll talk about in just a moment, but uh, he was quoted in 1993 saying, I read the book and thought, hey, this is the way I live my life. This is the way I feel inside. So he kind of, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about with uh, Venom being kind of just like for shock, you know, King Diamond and Merciful Fate, yeah, it's for shock, but at some level, he believes in it, and he feels, you know, like, oh, this is, I, I can relate to it. But once again, it's a different type of Satanism. I know a lot of people, you hear Satanism, and you can think this very archaic, you know, Catholic good versus evil type thing, or, uh, uh, but th- that's not really entirely what the Satanic, or what Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible is about. Uh, it's more of like a kind of individualistic idea of, you don't need other people's help. Uh, this is how to be a decent person. Don't be a dick to each other, but you really don't need anyone else. Uh, but once again, 
Anton LaVey, not really a great person to uh, put your whole life behind, but that is really important to note as we get more and more into this, what we're calling Satanism. Because, you know, a parent, as Adam says, hears someone, their kid in 1984 listening to this, which is literally, you know, just all about Satan. And, like, you take this, like, uh, black metal album cover and then look at Don't Break the Oath and you're like, holy shit, there's color to it now. It's, like, literally on fire, all that kind of stuff. And then also he's uh, King Diamond is one of the early adapters of corpse paint, which is what we were referring to and what Hagen was referring to. Also, he performed with a bone microphone and a literal uh, skull prop. And I just... I'll, I'll let someone else talk, I promise. But in a Rolling Stone <laughs> interview, the, the uh, interviewer asked him, where did you get the bones for the microphone stand that you made out of a femur and a tibia? And King Diamond said, my younger brother's schoolmate's dad was a surgeon. He taught students how to operate on donated bodies, and when they were done, they would strip the skin off the bodies and put the bones in a barrel. He took a couple bones home to his son, and my brother convinced him to give it to him. Uh, I feel like that person who they belong to is now getting to see the world in a different way. I don't mean that in a sick way at all. I mean, it, this is a whole different level of, like, you know, crazy. Um, I mean, what do you guys think of all that kind of stuff? Uh, I w- When I hear stuff like that, I'm like, all right, man, um, that person's bones aren't connected to that person's mind anymore. So they're not seeing the, like the, where they ended up is where they're at. But, you know, that's just me personally. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's something to be said about like uh, with with a lot of um, the satanic like the, the, the Church of Satan, which is what the, where the satanic Bible comes from. There's still magical thinking behind it even though they don't believe in the afterlife and stuff like that, there's, there's like definitely something to be said about like what there's a, there's like, there's still occultist ideals because Anton LaVey was a a very big like member of the occult. Uh, So it, it, it makes sense to, I mean, I mean, I, I think I think I think King Diamond was just into these a lot of these ideals and I mean it's 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 crazy to think this way right I mean especially from again to to take it back to when when the devil and Satan is involved you are uh, sort of a lot of people don't like that right? a lot of people hate that idea so back then it's like especially back then it's like I I I feel different I feel like I'm a part of something that is not like what this whole thing is. Um, it, it, it confuses me in some level, uh, just because, uh, it, it still ends up feeling like, kind of like the thing they're trying to get away from. Uh, but I mean, go for it. King diamond, I guess. So King diamond was, uh, on record as saying that he actively did not want to be telling others what to believe, even though this was his thing. Uh, the quote is, I make pretty sure that nobody can come and say, hey, you're trying to influence people into doing this or that, or you want to convert people and so on. No way. I raise a lot of questions, definitely, but I try not to give in straight words an answer for what I feel about it, which 
I think this is about the last when we're talking about black metal. This is the last uh, that you'll kind of get of that mentality of like, yeah, I mean, I know I believe something different than people, but I'm not really trying to convert people. I'm just talking about my life, I guess, and bringing up, you know, interesting concepts. But I, I definitely am a big fan of the corpse makeup. What I really like is when you see pictures of the band, it's just King Diamond and then basically the rest of the band looks like, uh, you know, that band Europe. Yeah. <laughs> just like your average long-haired metalhead. Just, just, yeah, just, just, exactly. Just like hair metal in the background. Um, have, have you guys, uh, Hagen and Jackson, have you guys ever worn corpse paint? Ha ha ha. Why would you ask that? Oh, I'm just curious. Uh, and, and if you have, are there any pictures of, of you guys in corpse paint? Yeah, that yeah, could and possibly video. show up in your podcast app right now. Wow. Mm. Crazy how that works. Uh, it's really important to me. Uh, I, I, we can stop after this. It's really important to me to note that uh, what uh, King Diamond liked, the Satanic Bible and the Church of Satan, they actually don't believe that Satan exists. It's really important to note that. That is not a part of their, they don't work. They don't worship Satan. They don't like, they might say hail Satan, but it's not part of it. The, the whole thing about this church is that uh, the church of Satan um, is like you, it, it, they're kind of described as like skeptical atheists. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, uh, um, a lot, a lot of aspects that are similar to, like you said, being a good person. Uh, but also just like understanding, like, like being, 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 uh, enlightened and, and prideful is a really, is a really big thing. Um, but they don't believe in a life after death. They don't believe Satan is real. Um, there's, there's a lot. It's not of, like they're aiming to die and go to hell. They're not, they're, they're not like trying to like just be Satan's pawns like, or, or, or do what Satan wants or do evil things or, you know, fuck the man. That's not what they're trying to do. I'm not saying Anton LaVey was like awesome because he wasn't at all. And, and, and like I said, and like I said, again, he definitely was like a, there, there's a lot of magical thinking still behind this. So there is like another layer of like, uh, is this really that different? But it is important to note that what he believed is not what we're going to get into later, which is that Satan is real. He did not believe that he did not worship Satan and he does not think that Satan is real. Well, with that, let's get into the music, which I mean, for me, of these three albums, this is definitely my favorite. I like. I think Merciful Fate is super cool. I think King Diamond has such an iconic vocal sound, and I can understand. I think he might. Uh, I'm interested to hear hear what you guys think of it, but I could see him being a Billy Corgan type, where you either love that vocal style or you hate it. Uh, but for me, it, I love Billy Corgan, and I love John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats, which are both that similar thing of you either love it or you hate it. And that's how I feel about King Diamond. And I love it. Uh, the musical is real or the music is, you know, similar to kind of a Judas priest type thing where it's heavy metal and you have these soaring falsetto vocals. And like, this is before any like really, uh, you know, really heavily edited stuff. So, it, you know, at times for better or for worse, you know, he is just in there just belting it out. And I love it. It's, it's sometimes the guitar was so distorted it sounded like he couldn't find out where like where his notes were supposed to be but I I gotta say like I've heard of King Diamond and uh, I I played a church gig one time with uh, King Diamond's drummer yeah uh, we were both subbing on this church gig and I was like this is a weird 
thing. I wonder if they know who your employer is. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know what King Diamond sounded like, and I didn't know that he was in Merciful Fate or basically was Merciful Fate. So when I put this album on, coming from the uh, the Venom record, I was like, all right, let's see if this gets a little more into the the what I think black metal should sound like stream. And the opening track, like when he comes in on a dangerous meeting, I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. And then um, the album is 43 minutes long, which is not that long. But by the end of it, I was a little bit like, all right, man, let's take it down an octave. I I, I, I definitely (laughs) wasn't. Or two. I definitely definitely wasn't thinking that in terms of like, by the end of the album, I was like, I heard it already. Not about the vocals, but just about the songs and and, and, and just in general. Like like, the overall texture. Yeah. I was like, I get, I get it. I get it. You know? Um, And and I think that that probably comes from just, just time, you know, we're used to a different thing. Uh, But it's really important to, to, to mention that these high vocals are uh, of the beginning of a very key aspect to black metal which is like high shrieking vocals right and and it's not that that every black metal band has that but that is that is like a very important like sound of black metal you know it's not it's not a ton of like the low kind of screams especially in like the the, this next little like the 90s it's all these high like you know (laughs) i love when you do that (laughs) except except king king diamond sounds like fucking great he sounds like epic as hell he is like I, i mean there's there's like I was like walking around the house today, listening to it for the second time. And I'm just like, it's so hard to not just like start belting along with me. Even if I don't know what it's happening, I'm just like, this is so cool and epic. I love this kind of shit. This is great. Yeah. yeah I remember thinking like cradle of Phyllis lead singer loves this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Dave, his name is Danny filth. Okay. Sorry. Danny flip. Uh, if you're, if you're looking at lyrics, so I just pulled up. So one of my favorite songs on the record is the oath. And uh, and I thought, okay, well, let me just pull up the lyrics and I'll pick a little excerpt to kind of explain exactly what you're hearing for anyone who's not really interested in listening to this stuff, but is still curious. Um, but man, it is so hard for me to pick which one of these lyrics. So, I, I mean, you could spin me around and I could put my finger on the screen and what I would read, it would drive home the point. But here, let me just pick one. Uh, and this is from the song, The Oath. I deny Jesus Christ, the deceiver, and I abjure the Christian faith, holding in contempt all of its works. Every single lyric on this song is something like that, where, yeah, he's obviously, you know, he's, you know, poking at it. He's trying to, you know, mess with people, trying to get a rise out of people, but it's, you know, all the lyrics on this album are just like that, so you can understand how the people who are influenced by this might take it a you know if they're a kid might take it a little too far but i mean like this this album starts with a dangerous meeting and it just like those soaring vocals uh and then there's a song called gypsy which probably my favorite song on that album i think that's the one where he's like they're gonna get themselves killed get themselves killed it's <laughs> oh man I, I i didn't know if i was gonna try and go for that but Man, it's we so should, cool. We should I cover one movies. of their songs in moniker. I would love to. I would wear the corpse makeup any day. I was going to say, you have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But just Jackson, so we're off the hook, Hagen. Great. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't think I could play the guitar parts. 
there's there's just there's just so um there's so much like amazing cool stuff that came out of merciful fate i mean you look at you look at the influence that venom gave and it's like yeah this is like the quote-unquote beginning of black metal a lot of people were inspired by it but merciful fate really really inspired so many people it really brought so i mean it, it 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 is something that we've probably all heard before and even like putting it next to like black Sabbath again is like, Oh, well black Sabbath, but there's still something fresh about what merciful fate was doing that really just, uh, you know, brought it, brought something new to the game. So, uh, so here's my game. Um, what band did an 11 minute merciful fate medley on an album of theirs? A cradle of filth, B Megadeth, C Judas priest, or D Metallica. Uh, I'm gonna say C. Yeah, I'm also gonna go with Judas Priest. Uh, but I worry it's gonna be Megadeth, and if it is, man, he cannot sing that. Have you heard Dave Grohl sing "Sabotage" by the Beastie Boys? Oh, it's fucking atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, what you guess? Doesn't mean he won't try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was gonna say D, but then they both said C, so I'll stick with it. Well, you should have stuck with D. Yeah, these yeah. these the these the yeah, that's that's the right call. Metallica on Garage Inc, everyone's favorite Metallica album, did an 11-minute medley with uh, uh, of Merciful Fate songs and they've done it live. King Diamond when when I saw Metallica and King Diamond play at Ozfest, they did it. And they've done it they did it before then, I think in Italy at some point too. Of course uh, they have. I, I got to say uh, I actually do like that record. In particular, I like their Misfits cover of Die, Die, My Darling. Uh, I like Turn the Page, and I like Whiskey. Are we Dog. really talking about Garage Inc. right now? I I'm was just a- saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, you're on the wrong show. Uh, no, I'm on the right show. I'm just talking about the wrong shit. Yeah, but all in all, I did really, really like this album, and I would happily listen to this again. Totally. And, you know, I have listened to Merciful Fate before, so, I mean, kind of biased, but, I mean... King Diamond and Merciful Fate. I'm just something I cannot recommend enough. And and again, think- we're not we're not quite into this like we're not quite into this like super lo-fi thing just yet. I mean, it, it, the recording quality is not great, but uh, it's, I mean, it's it, like it, of it's, the era though. I mean, it it, it does fit. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's, and they they did a lot with what they what they had to work with. There were a lot of twists and turns throughout the record where I was like, man, I actually googled like. Had, I wanted to find some information to see if anywhere it said between the Baird and me listen to uh, this record in particular or any of their material because it's like, oh, that sounds like something between the Baird and me would do, but now they do it much better. Yeah, there's, there, I mean, there, there's a lot of aspects in in all of this that we're talking about where like bands like Between the Buried and Me or 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 just any metal band. It's really important to remember that this is this is like everyone's taking influence from what we talked yeah. about so far. So even if Between the, uh, so I couldn't find anything on Between the Buried and Me listening to this, naming these guys as their influences, but I'm sure that their influences listen to this band. It's yeah, it's a whole lineage of influences just creating things you're not reinventing the wheel when you start a band yeah i think even more than the first album this is like clearly one of the big influential albums of the the genre right and it's it's just so much good. more enjoyable to me it's not as much of a like oh you listen to it for the history of it like this is a really great album and it's not yeah. really my taste to music necessarily but it's great and i can appreciate it and i mean i've listened to a couple like king diamond songs in the past from his like band, I guess, which was a spinoff kind of project from this, or it came afterwards. 
and uh it's all i mean i i think his music's great at that point so yeah it's good my favorite song was uh come to the sabbath uh not because it was the last one but i coincidentally <laughs> my, my favorite part of the song was the very last vocal which ends the record and it's him screaming you are the one and it repeats over and over again and i was like oh they had trouble with this they didn't know how to end the record i think man i can't believe we didn't even mention that i forget which song it is but where he just starts going you are insane you are insane he's just like yelling that kind of in this like weird like carnival like clown spooky clown thing is it's like i get the effect that they were going for and once again Maybe in 1984 that was frightening, but wow, it is just so funny sitting there at my nine to five job with my headphones and listening. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if it's supposed to be frightening, but it's just like the theatrical nature of this album, which right that comes across a lot more of yeah. his performance compared to the vocals on you know the other two albums. Well, so let let me take that uh, Satanism dial and what we're at six right now out of ten. Let me just go ahead and crank it up to 666 for you guys, because we're going Ooh. into our third and last album for the day. Ah, yeah! <laughs> and uh, it is going to be, you got to do a hey, listen, just like that. And our last album is going to be, it's a mini album. It's an EP, mini LP, whatever you want to call it. But it is 1987's Death Crush by Mayhem. So I have plenty to say about this album, but I do... I do, Dave. I want to start with you here. So there are two reasons I picked this album. One being it is what really, you know, it is considered, uh, you know, despite only 1,000 copies ever being pressed, this was considered to be what kicked off the Norwegian black metal scene that most people associate with the genre of black metal. That's what we're talking about, the lo-fi. So that's reason number one why I picked it. Dave, why do you think is the second reason I picked it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be really kind of, I'll, I'll feel real tricked if it's because of the lyrical content. <laughs> it's not. Do you want to take another guess? There's no way that. Could Adam, be do it. you want to guess? Because uh, it's short. Exactly. It was short, and I did not want to put Adam or Dave through listening to any more of Mayhem than they had to. I thought, you know, this is. <laughs> This is an iconic uh, release from the band, and it really spurred, it started what we are going to talk about in excruciating detail next week. But also, it's only 17 minutes long, and I was like, I know Dave's going to hate this. I'm pretty sure Adam's not going to like this. Let's be at least kind to I mean, them. the so. the very first song, I thought I might enjoy this song. Uh, that's my, fa- that's my <laughs> favorite song on the it record. Had nothing, it had nothing to do with the rest of the album. <laughs> That's my favorite song on the record. What the what's the who was the lead singer's what was the lead singer's name at the time? Dead. So, so it's not dead. It is, is it not U- dead. Euronymous? Not on this. No. Is it Euronymous is the guitarist. No, it is not. So I believe it's Maniac who sings on this, uh, who was later referred to as just a session musician. Musician. Oh, okay. Just because, so you know, whatever it was, whoever it was, went to the the composer's house, um, and just like bothered him for some music to put on the record to open the record and he just like this composer i don't have his name written down but he went through some stuff and like just found an old thing it was like here take this and they put that and it's totally out of place 
And when this record started, I was like, okay, all right, this is the third album. I know we're doing like the beginner's guide to black metal, but this sounds nothing like black metal. And Jackson, you said it's 17 minutes long. I'm a big fan of like nice, clean, good production. Uh, I want to know the song. I want to hear the lyrics. That's why I like Dawes, my boys Dawes. This, as a disclaimer, we've been talking about the lyrics and the lyrical content. If you are faint of heart and you don't really like disgusting things, for the love of Satan, please do not read the lyrics <laughs> yeah, in these songs. You won't be able to understand them, which is good. You're telling me that you think the lyrics to Chainsaw Guts Fuck are offensive? Uh, that song and Necrolust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just don't do it. Please don't do it. So I, I, I was gonna, I'm not, I, I didn't plan on putting a content warning on this episode. Definitely the next episode I will, but yeah. uh, we won't get into the lyrics of these, but yeah, they, they are offensive. Uh, it is very, uh, this is the band of all the black metal that I have listened to in my lifetime that I am very ashamed that I ever listened to it and was ever very into it because of the bigotry that is associated with them. Just the, the things that happen, the blatant racism and homophobia, homophobia, as I said, just all around bigotry. But today we're just going to discuss this album. Um, you know, let's back up to talk about that poor, poor recording methods. I mean, a lot of these black metal bands from the nineties Norwegian scene were even like, I, I think it was Burzum who did this. He was in, he was recording and they started setting up mics and he said, no, I don't want those. And the engineer was like, what, what you don't want mics. And he said, do you have a, uh, you know, a phone in here? Like, and this is the nineties by the way. So like a phone is going to be a really shitty microphone. And he recorded the whole album using like, he would set up the phone and record uh, the drums and then he'd set it up, record the guitar on purpose to make it sound shitty. But yeah, I had a friend uh, in high school who um, had a Fisher Price recording thing, and he was like, "Dude, I'm really into hi-fi or lo- sorry, lo-fi recording. Uh, check out my new cassette tape." And I was like, "He's a- he was actually a good musician for high school standards. You know, he could have been in Venom, but um, it just sounded like absolute fucking garbage." And I was like, "What is the point of this? I get that it's reactionary to all the stale metal that was happening at the time. We'll talk more about that next week, but like." It just sounds like garbage. Sorry, sorry. It, that's a that's a shitty reaction. That's a dumb fucking reaction. But it, hey, it, man, it's, we it's had con- free jazz. We got like Anton Webern, all that crazy uh, classical shit that happened. It at any time that music a genre gets too stale, it regresses into oblivion, and then something new comes from it. But here's but here's the thing: is that and we talked about this recently, Dave. We talked about how there's a lot of understanding of history, and there's a lot of still just like 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 uh, truly getting where the music is coming from, and not just like I'm gonna make it shitty because I'm mad. Fuck yeah. that. That's contrarian and dumb as fuck. Like and this kind of gets there. And, and and I'm saying all this by I I I enjoyed this EP. I enjoyed it. I didn't think I was gonna enjoy it. I, I listened to it the first time in headphones and I was like, this is dumb. And I put it on my, I put it on my phone speakers. I'm like, it sounds the fucking same. Uh, and it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those things that's like, I, I like this album for what it is. And I, I hate that it's something more than what it is. That I think that's what bothers me the most about it. Uh, but it is like, it, 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 if you, if you like any kind of metal or if you're just want to, if you want to like fuck around for a second, 
for mm-hmm. 17 minutes and 27 seconds. That's not that long. The That's first song is good, though. Well, hey, you, hey are, hold are up. You? So as Dave said, the uh, poor recording was on purpose. It was to rebel against the mainstream uh, death metal at the time. You had all these super, like basically death metal had this huge bubble that every single label was signing a death metal band and was putting out death metal records. And it was just, you would have five death metal records that came out every single week. And the Norwegian scene was upset by these people coming out. They they grew up on Venom. They grew up on Merciful Fate. They saw these people being really theatrical and they were really upset seeing these kind of cannibal corpse-esque people who were just going up long hair, jeans, and a t-shirt. So, before Hagen gets mad, I just want (laughs) to read out this quote on the band's sound. And uh, I just want to know if you guys believe this is actually a true story. So this is coming from the drummer who was on the record. So he is quoted as saying, the band's sound was something that the studio technician did not know how to record. So he just set the settings and we recorded. No mix, before or after. No overdubs. Bass, drums, guitar are recorded live. Then we recorded the vocals after. Do you guys believe that there was no mix? Yes. Uh, And also, (laughs) if he's at all bragging about the quality of the recording, like saying, we didn't even mix it. We just did all the stuff at the same time. That is reminiscent of people saying like, oh, Taylor Swift wrote her own songs. It's like, but you're not doing anything really that good. You know, it's like, if you compare Taylor Swift, I'm sorry for our listeners who are Taylor Swift fans. I just think that there yeah, needs to be a Yeah, sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, I am Adam. too. It's just that <laughs> I don't think she writes bad music. And it's like... No, no, no. The, the, pro- the problem with happening? that... The problem with that comparison, the problem with that comparison, and not, 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 not the problem, but like the thing with that, like she writes her own songs is like, cool. She did the thing that musicians have done. Well, exactly. That's exactly yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Is yeah, that yeah. They're, you know, they're saying we just recorded it off the floor and we're playing together. But at several points throughout this 17 minute thing, I'm like, hey, this doesn't, they don't sound together. They should have fixed certain things. Yeah, that doesn't make it good just because you can do exactly. that. Because everybody can yeah. do that now, especially, and yeah. record whatever shit they want to. The point wasn't. I mean, this this album, this this EP reminded me of like. I mean, I, I, it, sure, maybe it's obvious, but it reminded me of like of of a punk rock record. It reminded me of like the rawness. It it wasn't about being good. It wasn't about and I, 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 the thing with punk that makes it different is that there was a message behind punk, and the message behind this was via angry with the the mainstream metal, uh, which is a fucking dumb <laughs> message. Um, so what, Jackson? I wasn't angry with what you were saying before. I wanted, I wanted to say you were talking about how they uh, liked bands like Venom, and that's what they wanted to be like. They knew that Venom didn't like, d- didn't follow what they were like. Like they didn't believe in the whole Satanism thing, right? And when and when fans of Venom, especially like in, in the Norway scene, where there was an interview where they were like, "Hey, I, I think it was a fan they were interviewing, but they were like, "Hey, you know this about Venom, right?" And the response was. We choose to believe otherwise. Yeah. What that, the fuck? That's the kind of, like, these guys are asses, like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, Adam, can you tell me why track four, The Witching Hour, is at all important? I know that it's listed as a cover of a song by Venom. There you go. So these guys are, like, cut from the same cloth, and I, I think, as we'll talk next week, uh, 
way more in detail about the whole 90s Norwegian scene. Uh, they they chose to believe what they wanted, and they they really are. They think that they're the same as Venom and all that kind of stuff, but uh, far from it. I, I will say, um, I really liked this EP as a kid growing up. I thought it was just really extreme. That's what I thought at the time. As I said, I'm not uh, proud of you know how I was into Mayhem as a kid. Now knowing what type of people they were, but uh, I choose to go on the record to say you know my bad. Uh, I remember having uh, the song Death Crush on my MySpace page as my song. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> hey, I like, can get the you, appeal. You have managed. You have managed to be a metal hipster, Jackson. It's impressive. It's honestly very impressive. Okay. Uh, Death Crush is a fucking great song, though. I don't know if that's a song that that Dave and Adam are talking about. Is like I like the first song. If it's not, you should you should like Death Crush. It's no, a we're fucking talking great about song. The, the, about intro. This stupid the intro. We're it's, talking about yeah, the the, the electronic thing De- that is not. Death yeah. Crush is a good song. Death Crush is great. I okay, do still okay, like wait. Death Crush. I want to point out that Venom's version of Witching Hour, the original version, is three minutes and forty seconds long, and the version of Death Crush from Mayhem is uh or sorry not death crush what am i talking about witching hour is a minute and 49 seconds long so they've shaved off a good bit of time and this is the caveat to don't read the lyrics please i just challenge you to try and read the lyrics along with the mayhem version of witching hour it's it's he gets like two words per millisecond it's unbelievably just I don't know. It's kind of impressive. I was impressed. I got to say. And the thing that made me the most curious about hearing all these songs was I really just wish I could have seen them play these live. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what's crazy also, you know, what's crazy is when you intentionally make bad music and get away with it, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, think, think, I mean, like I'm not, again, I liked this. I enjoyed listening to this EP. Am I going to listen to it tomorrow? Fuck no. Uh, but like to actually go with I'm going to make this sound bad because I'm upset with the state of the current like scene and get away with it and be forever like cemented in metal music history fucking good good, good for you good amazing for you you did such a good job that's yeah. great and as we know they're all they're all alive and well and sitting pretty in their mansions because of all the residuals they got from uh, <laughs> From that, from the a thousand copies of this EP that were pressed. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you you shouldn't say that because that's not all they ever did. They put out other albums. Because otherwise, it sounds yeah, like they they're did. just a one-off band that put out some weird EP that no, you know, Dave and I didn't like. But which, not at all. As I said, I saw them live, and now that I think about it, I think it was 2015. But um, it, it was an interesting show, and if you're curious to find out why it, it was interesting, I will. Um, talk to you a bit more about that next week that's a bit of sizzle for you guys but uh before we you know wrap up the episode hagen do you have any any games for mayhem yeah i mean we'll, we're, we're gonna get into to, to i'm sure like the live performance aspect a lot more um next week but uh i i would like to give us a, a, a give you guys a question about the live performance now and and give everyone a little a little more sizzle like you said jackson a little more sizzle so uh, their live performances very quickly became like a legendary thing. Um, there was a lot of aspects to, to Mayhem's live performance that were, that were holy shit, crazy. Um, 
One of those was the use of dead animals. Can you guys name any or all of the animals that were used? There's three. Jackson, don't go. Adam, you go first. Uh, I'm going to say pigs, and I don't know why, but, you know, sounds sounds right. Do you want to go with more than pigs? Do you want to guess more than one? No, I'm good. Cause, okay. That's it. Uh, I hope it's not dogs. <laughs> Is that your answer? I hope it's not dogs? <laughs> no, my answer will be um, foxes. The fuck, Jackson? <laughs> So I know that the pig, it's a pig's head is a specific example. Um, so Adam, you're right. Okay, cool. It's not, not foxes. Um, I believe there was an instance of a goat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, pigs, sheeps, and goats uh, were, were frequently used in the live performances. The goat, are you talking about the instance where the guy just took a bite out of the, the, the dead goat? Yeah. So there's a really interesting thing where like a lot of these, uh, just another sizzle piece, these black metal guys keep, uh, you know, ingesting things they shouldn't and doing things that are bad for your body. And then they're surprised about it later. Uh, there's a lot of stomach pain that happens, uh, <laughs> you know, from, from, from what's happening here. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So pigs, sheeps, and goats. So Dave got a big old nothing. No oh, points. No. no points. Look, I'm just glad it wasn't dogs. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's wrap this episode up with, you know, kind of our summation of black metal. It's not for everyone. Black metal is definitely not, but it, it is a very interesting genre, especially for next week where you're going to talk in detail of the 90s Norwegian black metal scene. If you don't know about it, I very much encourage you to listen to next week's episode because it is a fascinating story for anyone who is, you know, a true crime fan. Uh, it is it's shockingly uh, the same cloth there. But um, I definitely would say if you're going to listen to any of these, uh, you you need to listen to Merciful Fate, Don't Break the Oath is great. Uh, and then I would listen to Mayhem's Death Crush just so you can understand exactly why Hagen sounds like he's been in so much pain this week. So, uh, it, and if you're interested after that, you can see where it all came from and you can have that kind of, you know, question mark above your head and be like, well, what, how the hell did that happen from this? So it's been, uh, it was fun for me to listen to this, but yeah, really what we're trying to get to is next week for me. Yeah. What, 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 what we're trying to get to definitely is next week. There's a lot of crazy, crazy shit you're not going to believe you know nothing about this there's a lot of insane stuff that's coming up um i i i I can't wait i know there's a lot of like you know there's a lot of bad stuff but i just can't wait to talk about dead i just i just want to talk about dead well and if you're if you're a musician and if you're at all into metal you've heard some of the stories and so the next week we're actually going to go into what the story like where they came from and what actually happened uh, yeah, and 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 also, um, I I, ha- I have to I have to back Jackson up here. If you haven't listened to uh, to Merciful Fate, definitely do it. Um, if you are interested again in like in like the history of metal, all these albums are important. But just take the 17 minutes and listen to the Mayhem EP, Death Crush. Just take the time. This is an important important EP for a lot of reasons. Um, yes, just don't read the lyrics. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I can't stress that enough. And and there's a lot there's there's plenty of problematic things that we're gonna talk about um, next week, uh, and but mayhem. I mean, this is the beginning of 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 that lo-fi metal sound and that screeching sound I've been doing. 
which is great. I'm really good at it. I've been practicing all week. One last question, and then we can be done for the week. Adam, did you have a good time? Up until the last album, yeah. Good. Because I think it's important for people to listen to the music that you know created a genre, even if it's not for you. And I really enjoyed Merciful Fate, so I'm going to go listen to more of it, probably. I had a I had a great time listening, even if he I didn't, didn't necessarily he didn't ask you. enjoy he didn't, it. He didn't ask you. I'm just going <laughs> to ask you. Insert myself. <laughs> well, it, it's really weird uh, at being at the Mayhem show. I won't give away too much, but there was a lot of chatter at the, in the crowd of people talking, saying, isn't this the band that XYZ? Didn't that guy do this? Didn't this guy do that? And there was no talk at all, or there was no like excitement whenever they would play Death Crush or anything like that. So it, it's very much there. Are, I think there is a lack of people listening to the the music in this genre and really just knowing the stories. Which it, it's interesting to listen to the music uh, that is behind all this stuff. Yeah, that, that's what I found the most interesting was trying to think about how, like, what was their writing process like? I knew that some of them lived together when they wrote this record, and it was pretty tumultuous, um, and it's it's appropriately so. It sounds like that. It's just, I, I wouldn't listen to it repeatedly, but I did enjoy listening to it, especially knowing that it was only 17 minutes long. And and uh, and before before we call it, uh, I also want to go through uh, the names of at least this EP of the of, of this EP we talked about because I mentioned the pseudonyms. So we have in Mayhem during this EP, we have Maniac, Euronymous, Necro Butcher, and Mannheim. Those aren't the real names. It's all it's all it, it, they they. This is all pseudonyms. They have fun. We have fun here. I can't even pronounce their real names. Well, so next week, if you want, I promise next week, each person that I name in the Norwegian black metal scene, I'm going to refer to them by their made up names. But what I promise to do is at the beginning of each, as, as I introduce each character, I'm going to say their Norwegian names Ooh. at least once. I will attempt. I will do poorly. If you, but if with you, that, if you, say, if you can say, if you can say Dead's name, that's great. <laughs> oh man, I, I've been practicing He's doing that practice. one legitimately. Yeah. That's good. That's good. With that, we will wrap up once again. Thank you to everybody for listening. You can find us on the socials. You can find us where you found us to listen to this. Um, thank you. Uh, we we do respond to emails. You can DM us. Uh, always happy to hear from you. If there is a small subgenre you want us to talk about, let us know. I'm always happy to do it. I read a whole damn book about this. That's not a joke. So what's the na- what's the what's the, what's the name of the book if they want to read it before the book next week? It's called Lords of Chaos. It'll deal a lot more with next week's episode, but it, the first three chapters had to do with what we talked about today. So, uh, Hagen, get us out of here. Thank you so much for being here. Press the subscribe, follow button, whatever button you've got in front of you. Press that shit for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and fuck off! Give me a time! Give me a time! <laughs> <laughs> He's got veins in his forehead. <laughs> Are we gonna get a copyright infringement for that? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're getting we're getting fucked for that one. How are you not well, winded? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs>